0: What a wonderful presence of the Lord that's in this place. As you return back to your seats, just shake another hand, give another high five, maybe a fist bump. I love what I feel on a Sunday night. It's awesome to be in the presence of the Lord. And it'll be a few moments before I read my scripture, so you can go ahead and be seated. But I don't think I really recognized what I was missing until I got here this summer. And I know we haven't had a Sunday night service every Sunday that I've been here. But I'm so thankful that there's a church here that wouldn't just settle for one service on a Sunday, wouldn't just settle for maybe a few hours in the morning, but... You want to come back and do it all again. And I don't believe that that is just because you're looking for a social setting. I don't believe it's just because you really like the person that you're sitting next to. But I really think that it's because there's something different about this place. There's, there's something different about the presence of the Lord. That there's nothing else like it. And you want to come back to this place as much as you can. You want to experience it as much as you can. And and in the past few years back in my home church in Arkansas, we've, we've just been doing... Uh, morning services and and when i'm at school most of the churches up there they've moved to just doing morning services and i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but it's just been so refreshing to be able to come together on sunday nights and it's just a different dynamic it seems like it just seems like there's something different about sunday nights because you come in on sunday morning and it just seems like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and it just seems like you've just been through it all and you just come in and you're just looking for something to grab on you're just looking for something that god can give you and 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 hopefully you know when you came in this morning god god ministered to your needs and god gave you what you were looking for but i'm thankful that we can come back after what he's given us and we can give back and and we can come together on a sunday night and and we don't come in quiet as burden and we don't come in quiet as way down but we come in just with our hands lifted high just wanting to praise him just wanting to be in his presence because it's such a beautiful presence it's such a wonderful place to be is in his presence worshiping his name there's no one like jesus and one thing that I make sure that I pray before every service, whether that's Sunday morning, whether that's Wednesday night, whatever it is, I make sure that what I pray before a service takes place is that there will be liberty and that there will be freedom in this place. Because there's a lot of things you can have, some really good music, and you can have a lot of people that sound good, and you can dress up real nice, and you can play the part, and you can do everything right, and you can fit the mold, and you can do everything you think you're supposed to, but there's nothing like the presence of the Lord. You can't duplicate that. There's nothing out in the world that will ever compare to the presence of the Lord. There's nothing that compares to being in His presence, calling out to Him, feeling Him reach down to minister to your needs. There's nothing like it. There's no one that can duplicate what it feels like to be in the presence of the Lord, and, and, and that feeling, it doesn't have anything to do with what you or I do, it doesn't have anything to do with what you or I look like, but it's all because of what He's done, it's all because He made a way, a little over, a little less than 2,000 years ago, He died on a cross, and He made available for all of us to, to enter into His presence, no matter where you are, no matter what time of day it is you are able to enter into his presence because of what he's done not because of anything that you can do not of anything that you are not anything that you look like but only because of what he's done are we able to enter in to his presence and i'm so thankful to be here tonight it's an honor to be able to come together not just to be able to preach tonight but i do give honor to brother roberts and pastor i know he's missing tonight we miss him but i'm so thankful to have this opportunity tonight but even when I don't get the mic and even when I don't get to preach, I'm just thankful to be able to come together with a group of people that are in the same mind, in the same accord and, and just to see God work and it's just a blessing. It's an honor to come together and one verse that just, I feel like just encompasses everything that I feel when I come in his presence is, is a promise that he made in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. 28 says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 29 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. People want to read that, and you probably see that he has a burden for us. And you're thinking, man, I've already got enough of those. I've already got enough stuff weighing me down but what he tells us is that his burden is light and his yoke is easy people try to really overcomplicate what it means to live for God and what it means to be a Christian what it means to be in relationship with him but there's nothing like it it's a whole lot harder to live in the world and to try to make by in the world and try to to meet up to everyone's expectations in the world but he tells us his burden is light his yoke is easy that's my promise is that he just wants me He wants to be in relationship with me. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. And I'm so thankful for what I feel in his presence tonight. But I'm only thankful for his presence tonight because of what he did to be able to make his presence available to us. And what what I preach tonight really is a simple topic. And and I will admit it might seem like a simple topic to me because of where it came from. What I want to preach tonight came from a lesson that our superintendent, Dr. David K. Bernard, taught. And maybe he did it with such excellence that it seems really simple in my head. And I really hope that when I try to preach it tonight that I don't get it twisted and it makes as much sense as it did when he taught it. But I'm gonna try my best. And I'd say that I'm I'm a pretty good student. I'd say that I take some, some good notes. But I, I called my dad this week and I had him go into my room and that's where I've got all my notes from the past few years that I've been at school. And that's where I've got them all stored away. And I had him take some pictures of the notes that I had taken, and in most classes, it's just half a page. It's just three quarters of a page or something. No, in one class with Dr. David K. Bernard, I had four pages of notes, and I'm pretty sure even when he would just cough, I would write that down just because, I mean, it was just, he was just spewing stuff, and it was like, that's incredible. I've never thought of it that way, and I didn't know how to spell it, but I wrote it down, but I remember, I remembered from this lesson, I had taken some notes, and I you know the only time that I really draw is, you know, if I'm trying to distract myself. but I remember when he was teaching, he he gave this illustration and I, and I felt like I needed to to write it down and to draw it. And so, thank you, Dad. I know he's watching tonight. Thank you for sending me those notes. and And I did my best to recreate it. So if, if the media team could you could you put that up there? And so this is the illustration that he he taught us in that class. And so if you look, You've got the cross right there in the middle, well, we did have it. you got the cross going in and out, but it's there, I promise. What he's teaching us is that when you look at the Bible, when you look at the Word of God, and you go through the Old Testament, from the very beginning, I know I didn't put it down there, but imagine the beginning of that arrow is Genesis. From the very beginning of Genesis all the way until you get to the cross, everything is pointing towards the cross. Everything is looking forward to that moment on Calvary. It's looking forward to that sacrifice that Jesus that Jesus, did for us, that he gave his life. Everything in the Old Testament, it looks forward to the cross. You see prophecies, you see promises, you just see throughout the Old Testament from Genesis all the way to the cross, it's looking forward to it. And then once you move on past the cross, once you move on past the gospels, you get to Acts all the way through Revelation, everything looks back to the cross. Everything in the word of God points back to that one moment on Calvary where Jesus gave his life for all of our sins. He gave his life for us. Everything in the word of God points to that. And we're going to, we're going to get into that a little bit tonight. But in the new Testament, you see in the book of Acts, the church in the book of Acts, everything that they do, you you see uh, the baptisms in Jesus name. That comes from, from this, what Jesus taught them. What Jesus taught them, it points back and you go through all of the letters and you go through all the epistles. It points back to the cross, what he did on the cross revelation. It points to the cross. So all throughout the entire Bible, there's one epicenter and that's the cross that's the cross is, is is right there in the center where the old testament points to and where the new testament looks back upon so so if you could put up that next that next slide it's really the same thing but it, it seems like our world might be trying to draw us away from the cross while while the word of God points us only back to the cross the world seems to be trying to draw us away from that and yes, time moves on. Yes, time moves along with what the world has shown here. But but it's it's not just about where we're at in time. But it seems like every day the world just seems to get darker and darker. And it seems to be in more and more trouble. And, and, and it seems to just be going more and more downhill. And, and while the Word of God points back to the cross, all, the only thing the world wants to do is to take us away from that. It, it wants to diminish the power of the cross. It wants to tell us the cross really wasn't as powerful as you think it was. The cross really didn't even happen happen it what does it matter the cross what what did calvary do and so the world tries to pull us away but the word of god is always going to point you back to that one moment in time it's always going to point you back to calvary where jesus christ laid down his life for me and you and for everyone for all of time for all of our sins so that we could be in heaven with him for eternity and and so i hope that 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 that's in your mind while while i preach tonight but, but I'm so thankful that no matter where I find myself on, on this timeline, I'm so thankful that I can look back to the cross which has already happened. Something he's already done for you and I, the the promises and the prophecies that, that were prophesied in the Old Testament. I can look back on that and see that he already fulfilled the promise. That he already met those prophecies. He already became who he said he would become. He already died on that cross. He already rose from the grave. He already ascended into heaven. He's already done and said who he would be. He is who He said He would be, and that's who He is today. That's our promise, is that Calvary was not just one moment, but it was for eternity. It was for forever. It was not just for the people that were there that day, but it's for me and for you, and it's for everyone that is afar off. That's our promise, is that Calvary extends for forever, for forever. And I'm thankful that we can look back on that. And so what you and I need to be reminded of tonight and what this world needs to be reminded of is that everything you will ever need has already been secured in Calvary. Every victory that you will ever need was already won at Calvary. It's already been done. It's already been set in stone because of one act that Jesus did. Because of the life that Jesus lived. The death that he died when he rose again. That's the promise we have. That's the victory that I have in him. And while the world tries to draw us further and further away from the cross tonight, I want to preach a call back to Calvary. A call back to Calvary. So if you would, if you're going to preach with me tonight, just pray that the Lord would minister in this place, that his word would be poured out tonight. Jesus I pray that tonight God that you would anoint me Jesus Lord God that you would direct my thoughts Lord that you would give me a clear mind Jesus Lord that you would direct me God Or to minister your word Jesus and that it would fall on good ground Jesus I pray that tonight God Lord that your spirit would minister Jesus Or God that you would reveal to us once again God the power and the victory Jesus that is found on the cross Jesus that is found at Calvary in Jesus name, in Jesus name I don't know how long I'll preach tonight. I don't know how long this is going to take. I usually preach a lot longer than I expect to, but I'll just be honest. I've got one point tonight, and you probably all just got real excited, but I'm going to be honest. It's a pretty long point. Probably could have been broken down. I don't know. I didn't really feel like putting the notes together because I feel like it's all over me right now, and I was just, I called my mom earlier. I cannot put together notes until like right before I preach I it's, it's just a curse that I have I don't understand it and I called my mom earlier and I'm really letting you guys have some insight into my preparation and it's kind of embarrassing but I, I tend to always call my mom right before I preach and I'll call her and I'll tell her mom I know I don't look like it I know I don't sound like it but boy I am stressed out I am very nervous and what I don't want anyone else knowing is that I'm stressed out and that I'm nervous. So what I do is before I leave the room, before I make my way into the sanctuary, I call her and I say, Mom, you better call me down right now because nobody else can know that I'm nervous or stressed out. Mom, thank you for answering a little bit ago because there's no telling how tonight would have been if she hadn't answered. So, I, so what I do is, is I try to put notes together and I try to get it all prepared and sometimes it just, it's not really going how I want it to, and, and it's not the sense that I feel like I'm not putting together what I'm supposed to, like it's not the word that's on my heart, but sometimes I just struggle, and so what I'll do is I'll get about halfway through, and then I'll be like, I'm done with this, and I go, and, f- and I find a mirror, and I preach to myself for about however long it takes, and so tonight, I only got about halfway through my notes before I went and preached myself, and I felt a lot better after I started preaching it. But I I did finish my notes, so I'm just as excited as you are to see how tonight goes. I'm just as excited as you are. But I'm telling you, I got so excited. I went from being nervous and stressed out, and then God was just like, he lifted it. He lifted that burden. His burden really is light. I got so excited. We'll see how it goes. But I'm telling you, I've got a word that I feel like God has laid on my heart because honestly if I tried to explain to you why this word was for tonight i couldn't do it logically that 's what I told my mom I, I said it doesn't make sense why this is what I need to preach after brother Roberts preached this morning incredible job he preached about how how God is is, is our protector and he's our shield and and he 's about talking about how God would go before us and and he would protect us and and, and I, I came up to him afterwards and I said, man, that, was, that goes perfect with what, with what I'm preaching tonight because, because I'm talking about the cross. And, and if you're talking about how God goes before us and, and I'm talking about how the cross is behind us, I mean, we're, we're covered all around. And I just thought it would be perfect. And, and so then when I started trying to put it together, it just really wasn't going like I thought it was going to. And, and I was just thinking to myself, man, what am I supposed to preach tonight? And man, I'm really being transparent here. But I promise you, I promise you that this word that he's given me has just fired me up. and, and, And this might be just for a few of you. This might not be for everybody in this room. I hope it is. But the word that he's given me is one of victory, of liberty, of freedom. And I'm so thankful for what I feel in his presence. I'm so thankful for what Calvary did for me. I'm thankful for the blood that he shed on Calvary that still washes over us. That it doesn't matter what you came in here with. It doesn't matter what you came into this morning with. Right now in his presence there's freedom. There's liberty. We can worship him. We can praise him like there's nothing else going on but in his presence. Presence, there's nothing else but him that's what i'm thankful for is that promise and so i take us back to genesis i take us back to the beginning of the old testament and and, and even if you haven't been in church long i'm sure you know the story of adam and eve i'm sure you've at least heard of it and it's a story of the fall and, and 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 when god created mankind he created the world it was they were in perfect harmony with one another and it, it speaks about how, how Adam would walk in the cool of evening with the presence of the Lord and they were in perfect harmony with one another and, and, and sin had not plagued them and, and sin had not had its way and sin had not created a, a separation and a divide between God and man. But the garden with Adam and Eve and with the Lord, it was, it was perfect. It was, it was kumbaya. I mean, it was, it was perfect in, in this garden, and, and there, there was one tree that they weren't supposed to partake of, and, and there was one tree that they weren't supposed to eat from, but, but the enemy makes his way in. He, he, tempts, he tempts Eve first, and then Eve convinces Adam to also take a part of it. And so from the very beginning of time, there's this separation that's created between God and man. There's a void between God and man, and, and there's, a, there's a need that's created for a Messiah. There's a need that's created for Jesus Christ to come and to die, to, to, to close the gap between God and man. And, and you see all throughout the Old Testament, yes, it began with the fall. Yes, it began in Genesis where, where one man fell and, and, and caused a separation between God and all of humanity. But you see it all throughout the Old Testament that the presence of God, could only be entered into by one man on behalf of the people, and it was only once a year by the high priest. And, and, and so the way it works was in the temple there was this there was this room, and it was it was uh, it was protected by this curtain. The, the veil, and, and and what would happen is only once a year could the high priest enter into the immediate presence of the Lord. It was just on the other side of this curtain that he could enter into, and it was just one time a year, and he would bring sacrifices, and it would atone for all the sins of the people, but that was just once a year, and that was just one man that it could enter into the presence of the Lord. And so you see throughout the Old Testament, there's there's a need that it, that is evident all throughout. And while there was a void between God and man because of sin, there was an anxious waiting because of the promise of the Messiah. While there was a need, there was also a promise that was just as evident as the need was. From the very beginning in Genesis, just after mankind falls and there's a separation between God and man, there is a promise that is made that there would be a Messiah that would come. There's a promise of the cross. There's a promise of Calvary, and so you see, as they you make your way through the Old Testament, through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and the rest of them, I'm not going to pretend to know that I I remember all of them in order. But you see all throughout the Old Testament that there is a promise that, that's, that's always in their mind and, and there's prophecy spoken that, that look forward to a day. That look forward to a time where there would not be that kind of separation between God and man. There would not be any kind of void between God and man. But there would be complete and total harmony just like there was. That there would be a perfect new covenant made where there would be no separation between God and man. There's a promise that's coming, but, but, it, but it's a little far off. It, it, it's off in the future. It, it's just a promise. It's not tangible. It it hasn't happened yet. It's it's just a promise. It's just something that you're hoping for. It's just something that you hope to be true. And so you look through the Old Testament, and and there's about 44 prophecies that are are recorded through the Old Testament that point toward a Messiah who would come and bear the sins of the world, die on the cross, be buried, and rise again. There's about 44 of them. And so throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, there was a promise that that God's people were looking forward to. They're always looking forward to a time. They don't have... Like you and I, they don't have something to look back to, something that's already taken place. But but Moses, when when he's making his way with the children of Israel, he's the man between God and the children of Israel. But but he's still looking forward to a day where he doesn't have to be that mediator. He can just have his own relationship with God and he doesn't have to be a mediator on behalf of the people. And David, when he's in the field, you know, we know that he had a relationship with God because because you see throughout Psalms, you see throughout his story that he had a relationship with God but the truth is they were always waiting on that promise to be fulfilled they were always waiting on there to be something to close the gaps so they could be close to their God so they could be close to the one who created them who protected them who was with them who provided for them they were always waiting for a promise and they were always looking forward to a day in the future and it's such a sad reality that, that even as close as David seemed to be with God and as close as Moses seemed to be with God and, and all these men throughout the Old Testament, as close as they seemed to be with God, really they, they seemed to be kind of an arm's length from God. And and then because of that separation, it, it always seemed to be like there was just some kind of separation. As close as they were, it, it, there was just something out of reach. He, he just wasn't quite tangible like they wanted him to be. And he just wasn't quite as close as they hoped he could be and it was because sin had entered in. It was because sin had entered into the world and, and it created a need for a Savior, created a need for a Messiah. So while God was present throughout the Old Testament and he works on people's behalf, what his people really held on to was a promise. Yes, God worked on their behalf. Yes, God provided for them. Yes, God led them through different battles, but what they desired was relationship. What they desired was to be close to him. What they desired was reconciliation. What they desired was just to have him close but that need that need was still there and so you look at some of the prophecies in the old testament that spoke of the messiah that was to come micah 5 2 prophecy that jesus would be born in bethlehem psalm 69 and 8 and isaiah 53 and 3 said jesus would be rejected by his own people Isaiah 61, 1 through 2 says Jesus would be sent to heal the brokenhearted. Psalm 35, 19 and 69 and 4, Jesus would be hated without cause. Zechariah 12, 10 says Jesus' hands and feet would be pierced. And there's plenty of other prophecies that we see throughout the Old Testament. We see prophecies made about a Messiah that would come. But all these prophecies spoke of a Messiah who would come, but they're all for naught if it wasn't for the prophecy that's found in Isaiah 53, 5 through 12. And yes, I'm thankful for every prophecy that was given in the Old Testament. I'm thankful for everything that spoke of a Messiah that would come, but it would all be for naught if it wasn't for this prophecy right here. And I'm going to read in verse five, and I'm going to try to read through all these verses here. Verse five says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. Verse eight says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from his land of the living for the transgression of my people was he punished. Verse nine says, he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 11 says, After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. Verse 12 says, Therefore I will give him a portion among the great and he will divide the spoils with the strong because he poured out his life unto death and was not Numbered with transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. I'm so thankful for that prophecy right there. That speaks of a perfect man, a perfect and holy man who did not deserve the cross. He did not deserve to die, but for you and for me, for you and I's transgressions, for you and I's sins, where we fall short, he paid the price. He took it upon himself. That's my Messiah. That's my Savior. It's the one who didn't deserve it. But he loves me so much. He loves you so much that he gave of his life to die on the cross, to die on Calvary, so that you and I could have reconciliation, so that you and I could be close to him, so that you and I could come in on a Sunday night on July 18th and enter into his presence for there to be no hindrances, for there to be no one to go through just to get to him. But you and you and you, it doesn't matter. Where you come from, it doesn't matter what you've been through. He has made a way. Only because of him, he's made a way, and it was on Calvary. Everything points back to that moment. Everything points back to Calvary, where he made a way. And he suffered just to justify many, and he bore our iniquities. And that's a wonderful prophecy. That's a wonderful promise. That sure is one that if I was in Isaiah's time that I would have held on to. That that every day that I would have prayed and said, Lord, come quickly. Lord, come soon. I need you to come. I need this promise to be fulfilled. And it hurts me because his people did not just need a Messiah who would be hated. They didn't just need a Messiah who would be ridiculed. They didn't just need a Messiah who would be beaten or endure the worst. What God's people needed was a Messiah who would come and bear the burden of all sin for forever and to die on a cross so that his covenant could be restored and his his presence could be available to everyone. See, all these, these other 43 prophecies, yes, they're wonderful. Yes, I'm glad that they come to fruition. Yes, I'm, God. I'm, I'm glad that they prove that, that the Word of God is true. And I'm thankful for all these other 43 prophecies. But but the one that's found in Isaiah 53, 5-12, the one that speaks of a Messiah who would come and die for my sin, the one who would come and make a way for me to enter into his presence. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter where you come from. There's no sin too great. There's no separation too great because he made a way. On Calvary, we point back to Calvary because of what he did on that cross. When he died for our sins, he did not die for a certain number of sins. He did not die for a certain level of sins, but he died for all sins forever. He died for me. He died for you. He died for your children. He died for your family. He died for everyone, but he rose again in victory, and because he rose again in victory, I've got victory. I've got victory over sin and death. It no longer has a victory over me, it no longer has dominion and authority over me. But because my Savior, He died with my sins weighing on His back, because He died with my sins in mind, and He rose again in victory, that's why I've got the victory is because of Him and His prophecy. Every prophecy in the Old Testament was, was fulfilled when they looked forward to it, when they looked forward to the cross, you see it fulfilled. Micah 5, 2, it said Jesus will be born in Bethlehem. Matthew 2 and 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Psalm 69 and 8 and Isaiah 53 and 3 said Jesus would be rejected by his own people. John 7 and 5 says Jesus was rejected by his own people. Isaiah 61, 1 through 2 says Jesus would be sent to heal the brokenhearted. Luke 4, 18 through 19 says Jesus was sent to heal the brokenhearted. Psalm 35, 19, and 69 and 4 says Jesus would be hated with out cost. In John 15, he tells his disciples, they have hated me and my father for no reason. Uh Psalm 35:19, Zechariah 12:10, Jesus's hands and feet would be pierced. Pierce john 20 verses 25 and 27 after his resurrection he comes back to his disciples he shows his scarred hands every prophecy that was prophesied in the old testament comes to fruition so you see that the old testament looks forward to the cross and then everything looks back to it because of this prophecy right here isaiah 53 5 through 12 speaks of a messiah who would come and die for my sins a messiah who would come and tear the veil in half make his presence available to me Make it to where it doesn't matter where I come from. It doesn't matter who I am. I don't have to be the high priest. I don't have to be the pastor. I don't have to have it all together. But he's made his presence available to me. He's taken my sins upon him. He's made his burden light because he's taken the weights from me. He's taken my burdens. He's made it light all because of this prophecy. And while all the prophecies had to be fulfilled and the word of God proved to be true, the most important prophecy that was fulfilled was the prophecy that he would die for our sin. And yes, you see it in the Gospels. You see this story played out. But in Romans 5, 6 through 8, and there are so many other verses that I could use from Romans, but but this one right here specifically speaks to this promise that was given. Romans chapter 5, 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7 says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. He doesn't die for perfect people. He doesn't die because you got it all put together. He didn't die on that cross because you got to come to him with everything put together. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have the right title. You don't have to come from the right family. You don't have to have the right last name. All you've got to do is come to him because he died for me. Even while I was still yet a sinner, he died for me. That's the power of Calvary. That's the power of the cross that's the power of the blood that he shed was while I was still yet a sinner he died for me Romans 5 6 to 8 encompasses exactly what Jesus did to fulfill his promise that one day he would be the perfect sacrifice for sin he lived a perfect life Jesus did not deserve to die let alone the death that he died And and tonight I don't have it all written out, the details of his crucifixion, but if you ever have the time, I'd read it. Because you think you know everything he went through. You think you know everything he endured. And I can tell you it's just that much worse than what you think it is. Jesus Christ was perfect. He was holy. He was the only man to ever live a sinless life. He was the only man to endure temptation and not fall into it. He was the only man to go throughout his entire life living a perfect, sinless life. But he died on the cross. Not because he wanted to be glorified. Not because he wanted to be lifted up. Not because he wanted praise and worship. Yes, we praise and worship his name. Yes, we glorify his name. Yes, we exalt him. But he died for you and I because he loves us. He came into this world because he loves you and I. That's why he died on that cross. That's why on my worst days, that's why on my worst days when I'm really going through it, I look back to that cross and I remember everything that I need was secured on that day, in that moment because of what he did when he died on that cross when he rose again that's where my victory comes from so when the world tries to pull me away from the cross and it does a pretty good job of it when the world tries to take me through everything else all I have to do is look back on what he's already done I feel bad for Moses I feel bad for David they had to look forward to a day where Jesus Christ would come but I'm looking back on what he's already done how he's already been good to me how he's already shown his love to me On my worst days, I look back on what he's already done. Yes, he's got promises for you. Yes, he's got callings. Yes, he has blessings in store for tomorrow and the next day and next week. But at the base of it all, everything that you need is found at Calvary. Everything that you'll ever need was found on that day, on that hill where he laid down his life. A perfect man died for my sins. And they looked forward to a day in the Old Testament. They looked forward to a time where they could feel that presence. And I pray that I never take advantage of the fact that he has made himself available to me. The fact that the veil was torn. No longer is it just one man a year. No longer is it just one person that can experience God for me and I can live vicariously through them. But every day, every moment, no matter where I am, no matter what time it is, I can experience his presence because he made a way. Only because he made a way. It's nothing that you could ever do to justify yourself. It's nothing that you could ever be to make make sure that you make it to heaven. It's nothing that you could ever do on your own. But it's only because of what he did. Everything that I do is because I'm looking back to the cross. Because I'm looking back towards Calvary. Yes, he's got a future for us. Yes, he's got a vision for this church. But let us never forget to look back to Calvary. I pray that there would be a call back to Calvary. This world doesn't need a perfect production this world doesn't need great singers this world doesn't need someone to get up in front of a pulpit and to to give a pretty message what they need is that cross what they need is that promise that's already been fulfilled what they need is for somebody to say i know you're in the world i know you've been drawn away from it but look back look what he's already done that's the promise He's already done it. Jesus has already won the victory. Jesus has already taken captivity captive. 1 Corinthians 15, 55-7 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's already done it. He's already given us the victory because of that day, because of what he did on that cross. He's already fulfilled that promise. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what's weighing on you. I don't know what weights seem to be on your life. But I can tell you that what you experience in his presence is something you cannot measure. Shaq, you talked about blessings. Blessings aren't just physical. Blessings aren't just material. But I know that there's some of us today who need a release from shame and guilt. I know that there's some of us today who need a release from anxiety and from worry and from doubt and from fear and things that you can't see. There are things that I don't know about your life because I'll never see it. But every day it seems to weigh on you. It seems to be a burden. But he died for that. He's already done it. He's already fulfilled his promise. All he's looking is for somebody to look back and remember he's already won the victory. He's already provided. He's already made a way. I don't need anything else but Jesus and what he's done for for me no longer do we have to wait on a promise no longer do we have to wait on him to come but he's already made a way matthew 27 51 is where you find that the veil was torn jesus on that cross he he gives up his last breath that says he gives up the ghost and the veil is torn And from that day forward, there has never been a hindrance. There has never been something to separate us from the love of Christ ever again. Because what he did on that day cannot be conquered. It cannot be topped. It cannot be defeated. Because what he did that day was he took victory over sin and death. What he did that day was he took our burdens upon him. He took our sin, our iniquity, our transgressions upon him. And there is nothing that could ever overturn or overdo what he did that day. The cross is forever. Forever. That's my victory when the veil was torn. There's no longer a divide between me and God. There's only liberty. There's only freedom in this presence. We can try our best to minister to the needs of people. And we can try our best to give what we have. And what we possess. And we can try to give what we think people need. And we we can try to minister based on what what we think is logical and, and what makes sense. But I think everything that everyone looks for. I think everything that someone, what everyone is looking for is freedom. Is liberty. Is to just have that burden lifted. Is to just have that weight thrown off. And so it's so important that in our own lives we don't forget to look back to the cross. We don't forget where our victory came from because it's not just for me and for you. He didn't just die for me and for you. But there's a world out there, a world that's being drawn away from the cross. They're looking for somebody that says, I know what you're going through. I don't have the answer except for at Calvary, except for at the cross, except for the blood that he shed. They're not looking for anything that they can find in the world. There's not, they're not looking for anything that, be, that can be duplicated. But if you've experienced the presence of the Lord, you know that there's nothing like it. There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. There's nothing like being baptized in his name, have his name written upon you, his spirit living inside of you, giving you strength where you are weak, giving you peace where there's no comfort, giving you joy where there's sorrow and sadness, giving you peace where there seems to be no calm. He is the answer. He is the answer. Everything that you've ever needed was secured on that day at Calvary. And right here, right now, tomorrow, next week, in your room, in your car, on your job, wherever you find yourself, his presence is available. His triumph over death is my triumph over death death is swallowed up in victory and music team you can come I'm bringing it to a close that's my promise that's my victory it's not anything that I've ever done it's not anything that I could ever become it's not any way I could ever dress it's not any way that I could ever preach it's not any way that I could ever present myself it's only when I present myself to the Lord that he can take those burdens away from me he can lift those weights off of me that I can have freedom and liberty in his name that I can I can know that my victory is already been secured because of what he did 2,000 years ago we can look back we don't have to look to tomorrow and worry and fear and have doubt and anxiety but we can look back and all that can be done away with because of the victory that was secured on that day and if I could have everyone stand I don't know what you're going through today I don't know what it is that you feel that is weighing you down and has been a burden But can I tell you that it's in praise and it's in worship and it's just enjoying his presence, just being with him, that everything else can melt away. That everything that you came in here with, everything that seems to be weighing on you, everything that seems to be wrapped up in your mind, telling you you're not worth it, telling you that there's too much to worry about, anxiety has crippled your mind, fear has has taken over, everything seems to be weighing on you, it's all done away with in the presence of the Lord. And I think the freedom and the liberty we feel in his presence is worthy of our praise. So I'm going to open up these altars. I'm going to open up these altars tonight. And maybe it's not a certain prayer that you're going to pray. Maybe it's just your praise. Maybe it's just your worship. But there is so much freedom and liberty in his name that he's worth it because of what he did. Not anything that you can do. All we're called to do is to be worshipers in spirit and in truth. And we have that chance tonight. We have that opportunity tonight to lift up his name. He's given us a reason to dance. He's given us a purpose. He's given us... Something to lift the burdens, to lift everything off of us. And all we can do in His presence is just dance, just worship, just praise. So they're going to sing a song. And all I want us to do tonight is for our burdens to be lifted, is to just shake them off, dance, lift it up to Him, worship Him because He's worthy. Hallelujah. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path be sure to subscribe and watch us every sunday at 11 a.m eastern standard time also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com so I'm